1: go straight nothing personal word of the day it is wednesday june 28th 2023 and the word of the day is straight as in steve Cohn is gonna give it to you straight the new york mets are an unmitigated disaster. I love how many different ways we can cover this. It's great content. It's no Danny boy, but Stevie has been dreamy. And yesterday took a turn from the sublime to the ridiculous. When you are 16 and a half games back, almost 10 games back with the Marlins who are leading the wild card, Your pitching is mediocre. Your hitting is mediocre. Your record is poor. Your fan base is furious. 35,000 people are still showing up to games, but they're not happy. Welcome to New York. Is the honeymoon for Steve Cohn over? They sit around in the front office. Billy Epler, the GM of the Mets, has to speak to Steve Cohn every day. I will promise you they speak every day. They may not see each other every day, but they speak every day about what's going on with the team. Owners have a general rule, every one of them. I don't wanna read about my team in the paper, something that I didn't know. You better call me and tell me, cause I don't wanna be ordinary. I own the team. So you'll call up your owner and say, this guy's unavailable. We're gonna send this guy out. What do you think if we do this, we do that. Some owners want to have the say in what happens, what the transactions are. Some owners wanna be told. More owners than not are going to be intimately involved in the day to day. When it gets to be July, that is the time of the season where you can no longer look at your fan base and look at your media look into the camera and say it's early, everything's fine. It's absolutely acceptable when there's a slow start in April, when your May is only okay, you can still say it's early. My favorite expression, it's still early but it's getting to be early middle or it's middle middle. Remember when I say it's early late, we're now middle. Just think about the season, April, May, June, July, August, September. Early, middle, late. May is late, early. June is early, mid. Well, we're halfway done with the middle, so we're pretty much middle, middle. So when we look into the camera and try to think about our team, we can no longer give you the excuse, we've got this. Now the focus is on what you're doing at the end of the middle when it's early, late. Are you buying, are you selling? What are we doing with this team? Managers on the hot seat. We like to fire managers late, early. End of May is always a good time. Very few managerial changes happen early, late. Some happen middle, middle. New York Mets fans are clamoring. Goodbye, Buck. Buck Showalter, when he was brought in to manage the Mets, came in with such fanfare that it was good for people not in the know. The fanfare was, we got Buck Showalter. We are GTG. We're on the road. He's got great PR people. Those in the know said, mm, I'm not so sure this one's gonna work. Steve Cohn decided when he first took ownership, that he was gonna enter the app Twitter, and we've had some fun over the years with some of his tweets. He learned late early that getting into Twitter wars or Twitter discussions or only Twittering when things are going great, hey, great win, guys. Boy, we really got that one when we needed it, not ideal. So his tweeting has subsided just a tad until yesterday, went out of nowhere. He tweeted, I will be doing a press conference tomorrow before the game. You will get it from me straight. We don't like owner press conferences during a season. Nothing good happens during an owner press conference during the season. Why? Did Steve Cohn go up to his PR people and say, I wanna meet the media? No problem. We can set it up for you, Steve. What, what, what are you gonna say? Why do you need a press conference? Why not just go to the game and we'll do it organically? We'll sit you in the dugout. You'll be watching, of course media people will come up to you. You want me to actually send out a release with a time, a media availability? I'm not sure why that makes sense. Well, I'm Steve Cohn, and I don't need you to understand why it makes sense. Just know that I want the fans to know that I'm accountable and they're gonna get it from me. Word of the day alert, straight. Do you think that he told his general manager about that? You have to tell your general manager about that. If you're going to meet the media, you don't do it without telling anybody. Oh, wait a minute, he tweeted it. He told everybody, bots and all. Doesn't matter if they're from Russia or Chechnya or Idaho. Everyone knows that Steve Cohn is meeting the press. So, of course, he told Billy, even by inference. Let's pretend that Steve Cohn and Billy Epler had a conversation and then they hung up the phone. And then Steve Cohn said, I have it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send out a tweet about a press conference. All right. Tweet goes out like Billy Epler doesn't have an alert. If Billy Epler does not have an alert on Steve Cohen's Twitter account, then Billy Epler, by definition, should be let go. If Billy Epler does not have PR people around him who alert him when the owner is tweeting or talking or going to the bathroom, then he needs better PR people around him. You always wanna know what your owner's doing because you don't wanna make him look bad. And for whatever bizarre reason, Billy Epler chose to meet the media yesterday GMs don't have to meet the media every day. We told you managers do. Why would Billy Epler talk to the media just to tell the media, we're good here? We're not good here, Billy. Your owner is doing a press conference in 24 hours. What about that is good when he says, you're gonna get it from me straight, and then you're meeting us to say, hey, We got a decent amount of runway before the deadline. We hope that we can change the story. If we can, then we can add. If it doesn't, then we'll just have to create other opportunities and see what else exists out there. But I love you, Buck Showalter. Don't you worry. I'm not making any changes. Do you think that the media or the fans look at Billy Epler meeting the media and say, oh, Steve Cohen's going to have a press conference tomorrow, but Billy Epler knows what's going on. Billy Epler's the one really in charge, not Steve Cohn. It's preposterous. But Billy Epler gave the vote of confidence to Buck Showalter, telling all the fans who've been criticizing him, he's had a good amount of adversity heaped his way, Epler said. Buck's handled that adversity, and he's the guy to get us back on track. I always love that. I always love giving a vote of confidence to the guy who got us off track to say, no, no, he's the guy who's going to get us on track. No, no, he's the guy who got us off track. And then Billy Epler gave a little nod to the players. I believe in the talent of this team and I believe they can play at that win percentage. Which one? The one that they have to play at to make the playoffs? The one that they've been playing at so far this season? The one that there was expected before the season even started. I don't know which one. Did someone mention to Billy Epler, it's just about starting pitching and the fact that they're paying $86 million to two guys who are middle to bottom of the rotation starters. And their great signing Senga, who they paid a lot of money to, has been fine. See their ace, it's not Carrasco. When you have a stat that your team is 22 and three, when your pitcher goes six innings, that's a good stat. It means that you've only gone six innings, 25 games, but 54 times you didn't. Don't give me the argument that starting pitching doesn't matter anymore. Don't give me the argument that openers are fine or give me the argument that starters who go five and dive, that's all you could want, pay them their 43 million for five and dive. No, having starting pitchers go six innings is the minimum you need from them. In this day and age, when your starters do that, you are going to win more than you're not. So I'm looking at the Met starters and saying, who? Like Harry the Owl, Who, who's going to go six? So Billy Epler usurps Steve Cohn's press conference? Is that what happened? I'm going to do a little role play for you here. Just a little one. I'm gonna put my glasses on. I think Steve Cohen wears glasses. This is me walking in. I don't know where he's gonna do the press conference. It's hard to look at a camera with readers, Coca. I'm a little dizzy. I may fall over, although it could be exhaustion. Here we go. Thank you for coming, everybody. I can't even do his voice, but I can't look like him either. Thank you for coming, everybody. I would like to start off this press conference. This is, let me, so this is David again. I want to tell you what he should be saying. This doesn't mean he will say it. This is what he should be saying. Tomorrow, we're going to get again a topic to say what he does say, because I can't wait to actually hear it, because I have not gotten an advanced script of what he's going to say. And God help him. I hope he doesn't go just out of his head. I assume he's got prepared notes or some sort of, talking points. Otherwise, what is he doing tweeting? You're gonna get it from me straight. If it's a stream of consciousness, by definition, that's not very straight. This is what he should say. Thank you all very much. I just would like to be very clear that I do not enjoy anything about what is happening this season other than the fact that the great fans of the New York Mets have continued to support this team and believe in this team. And I have personally let you down. Not because we don't have a high enough payroll or because we did or did not sign certain players, but the group of players we've put together so far have not performed up to the level that we expected them to perform at. It is my expectation that this team will get better. If it doesn't, I assure you, I will keep working to figure out what the right combination of players and executives, what that combination should be to give you the winner that you deserve and the world championship that I promised you and that we've been waiting for together since 1986. This is the time of year when people get very antsy. Three weeks ago, I told you that when things don't go well in my other businesses, I don't panic, I examine processes, I examine results, and then I come up with solutions. It is very difficult during the course of a baseball season to come up with solutions that will deal with the adversity and deal with the issues that we are having as a team. It is up to this team and this management to figure out how to get better. But at the end of September, when this season comes to an end, the numbers will be the numbers. We will have an entire season of results on which to decide our future path. I just wanted you to hear it from me straight, that I am as committed as I've ever been to giving the resources to the proper people to ensure that this team wins. When I told you that we would win a World Series championship within three to five years, I meant it. I still mean it. And even if it's not this year, which it's not over yet, because it's only Early middle, we still have two years. Try to block the noise. Try to ignore the pressure and try to take the positivity out of the fact that you have an owner who will spend money more than any other team in this league, who is willing to be unpopular inside owners' meetings because of how much money I want to spend for you, who may spend it wrong from time to time, but we're going to get it right because I've done it with my other businesses and I'll do it with this business because this business is the business of world championships. That's what I would do. That'd be a nice press conference. Not necessary. It's not epic. Can you imagine if he calls a press conference and fires Billy Epler or announces the hiring of David Stearns or Theo? or says he's not firing Buck, but Buck's on notice if they don't go 15 and five before the break, then I'm gonna fire him. He's not gonna do any of that. It's a lot of much ado about nothing for me, Coca, I must tell you. Can we do a, uh, is it too cheap to do an actual wait to see about Steve Cohn's press conference? Are you gonna let me do it? I'm gonna do a two-sided wait to see. I don't know how we're going to be able to figure this out but we're going, to, we're going to be able to wait to see when i tell you something's going to happen if it does great if it doesn't great either way we'll revisit it but an owner press conference wait to see his remarks prior to taking questions meaning when you do call a press conference the media just sits there you don't call a press conference and say any questions let's start with your questions that would be a media availability when you do a press conference, you start. Then you can say, and I'll take some questions. Or you can say what you're gonna say and not take questions. But that's a press conference. Media availability, hey, Steve Cohn is gonna be in the dugout an hour and a half pregame during BP. Fine, he'll sit there, you come up, put a microphone in his face and ask a question. Wait to see. His direct remarks prior to questions, or just prior to the end, the entire limit. I'm gonna give you an over under of how long he will speak. And the over under is seven minutes and I'm going under. The second wait to see, Now I don't have to get them both right, these are two separate wait to sees, Coca. The second wait to see is that not one change is being made. Billy Epler staying, Buck Walter staying for now only. No players, no signings, no acquisitions, no demotions. There will not be one transaction announced by Steve Cohen. That's the way to see. Under seven minutes, no transaction, a complete waste of a press conference. There's another team that could call a press conference today. Are these the two teams that we said we would not talk about anymore? (laughs) Is that true? God, I wish all of you could have Coke in your ear. We were not gonna talk about the Mets and the Padres. Fine. My toes are crossed. I actually do that during shows. So if you're watching this on Nothing Personal Live, I'm sitting facing a camera with a blazer and a shirt. You see that. What you don't see is that I'm sitting up straight and my toes are crossed in, they're curled because I'm small and I can't rest my feet on the floor. So they're on my tippies, if that makes sense. I'm on my toes and it hurts too much to have your toes straight for this long So I curl them in so I'm like on my toenails. Why was I even talking about that? Doesn't matter. Press conferences. Another team that could have a press conference. Oh, because we said we wouldn't talk about these two teams. Oh, and I said, here it is. I got there. I found my way back. My toes were crossed when I said that. Which means I can talk about these two teams. What in the name of sweet... Hey, Zeus is going on with the San Diego Padres. Are we getting closer to the day? I don't wish ill on anybody, certainly not personally. But professionally, I will not shed a tear when A.J. Preller loses his job. Peter Seidler has given him more money. The owner of the Padres spent more money irresponsibly, giving John Middleton a run for his money giving Steve Kona a run for his money, if not outpacing them both, actually, given the market size and the revenue of the teams. Yes, Mike, the Padres are getting crushed. Even with sellouts. All of that said, they've got four superstars on their team. Four. Manny Machado, Superstar. Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, superstars. Fernando Tatis, superstars. This is an all star team that was put together. Forget the fact that Tatis missed the beginning of the season. Forget his steroid suspension. Forget the fact that Soto had a slow start. He's only hitting about 250 since he joined the Padres. Forget the fact that Bogarts started hot, then got a little cold. Tatis has been great. Machado is Machado is Machado. They're pitching led by Blake Snell's five and dive. Darvish has been fine. Musgrove. Something's wrong with the team in that they put a collection of players together who simply can't win together. So I started thinking about why. And the logical explanation When you've got a good team that underperforms, you can chalk it up to, hey, that's baseball. You can. You can let a season go by. But when it's multiple seasons and multiple sets of players who are brought together by a GM, put together like a fantasy team and it's never worked, wouldn't you begin to think it may be the way you're doing it? One of the dangers of having a fantasy team, it's not a danger in fantasy because they're not together in the clubhouse. It's easy to put together a fantasy team. No one has to like each other. 26 guys, 26 cabs is a perfect plan. It used to be in baseball, you can win with 26 guys, 26 cabs. That's the expression. The expression actually is 25 guys, 25 cabs. But now there's 26 guys in the roster. So that's the expression. And that means... The players who just don't like each other. I've had plenty of teams in my day where players don't like each other and they've been good. Plenty of times when they do like each other and the team's been bad. But is there something deeper going on with the Padres? And then I took a closer look and I started thinking about my main man, Boras. Scotty, what are you doing? Are you nervous that you're not going to get Juan Soto paid because you had him walk away from the Nationals' $440 million deal and now no one's going to come close to that and he's freaking out and you made a promise that you can't achieve? You're going to have to turn him into another Correa? Juan freaking Soto, you're going to have to turn into Correa? Sign him to a one-year deal and then hope and pray that someone gets desperate. Maybe the loser of the Otani sweepstakes the following year says, man, we wanted Otani, didn't get him. We'll just give all that money to Soto. Forget the fact that he's not hitting for average anymore. Forget the fact that he's a walk machine, a on-base machine. But he keeps playing for teams. Came to the Padres as the savior. And the whole team's been crap since then. You've got to go convince every other team that Soto's not the issue. What if he is? What if that clubhouse is being torn apart by Juan Soto because he's jealous? And I only know about this. Speculation. Because I had a clubhouse where there were certain players who were paid and certain players who weren't. And the players who weren't paid were pretty pissed off about the players who were paid. Lest you all think That what the players are doing is going full Kevin Costner. For the love of the game. They keep track of everything. Do you remember when I told you they keep track of the hype-up videos and how many times you show them in the hype-up video? If you think they're keeping track of that, or of where they're sitting on the airplane, or where their locker is in the clubhouse, or when and where they get to use the shower. If you think they're paying attention to that, do you think they're not paying attention to contracts that are signed by their peers, by their teammates? You think when I walked through the clubhouse, I didn't have to look at Jose every day and have him tell me, Jose Fernandez, when are you gonna pay me? Marcelo Zuna, when are you gonna pay me? Well, we made an offer, you turned it down. Why don't you speak to Boras? That's a lot of pressure. wonder if that really upsets the clubhouse. What about all the rumors of Tatis in the clubhouse? Is that an issue? Was it an issue? Are they past the suspension, all forgiven? The relationships with D. Gordon changed after he got suspended. Is it possible the relationships are bad? Yeah. Is it definite? No. But something's going on within the Padres, front office, on field, that is causing them to not win. Is it the quality of the players on the field? No. It's the quality of the player off the field. And that bleeds on the field and it makes things worse. So what do they have to do? They have to decide, are they doubling down? or are they giving up? And that is such a hard decision when you're running a team. Doubling down is saying, we are going to keep this group together. Screw them. We are going to make sure that they've learned to love each other and learn to win together. And we're going to hope that they all get hot at the same time and then carry us into the playoffs. They're chasing a bunch of teams in their division. who don't get to play as often, but that's going to be one way to approach it. Or you say, We didn't get it right. And the Padres have done that so many times. What's stopping them from doing it again? They got these collection of veterans and they didn't get it right. Last time, they just got rid of them and started again. Is Peter Seiler, the owner, willing to allow A.J. Preller to do that to him again? No chance, toilet pants. If this group of Padres does not work out with one of the greatest managers ever And Bob Melvin, by the way. But if this group does not work out, it won't be A.J. Preller who puts Humpty Dumpty back together again. It will definitely be somebody else. Last year, you remember, they had to go through their run without Tatis. They thought bringing him back would make them accelerate, like putting jet fuel, propel them all the way to the World Series do you remember they got their butts kicked by the Phillies four to one? Soto had a terrible series, four for eighteen. Not the end of the world, small sample size. Tatis wasn't there. They had all their chips in last year. Didn't happen. Put them all back in again this year. The problem is when you keep putting your chips in, eventually you're gonna run out of chips. We'll see what happens here, Coca. But let me tell you, the Padres and the Mets, I'm going to give it to you straight. There are changes coming for both those teams. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a documentary that we're going to spend a few minutes talking about because I want to talk about this subject. And then we're going to hopefully get to what happened in the pick of the day. Not hopefully, we'll definitely get back to what happened in the pick of the day. I'm so thankful, so thankful that we had the Angels as our pick of the day and Shohei Ohtani Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. Welcome
1: back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for everything you're doing to propel this show into the stratosphere. We do appreciate it. Keep telling your friends about it. Keep building. Keep getting in touch with me on Twitter, at David P. Sampson, every day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. live. Coca just told me we're not doing a show on July 4th. I want you all to enjoy your July 4th, but we'll be doing one July 3rd. Hell yeah, but we're not even there yet. All right, I need to get serious for a minute. While people may think I'm made of wires with no emotion, my emotions do come from movies. And once in a while, I get angry and I get spurred into action. And there are certain charities or certain causes that get my attention, certain things that are going on. It is overwhelming if you try to change everything that's wrong. You can't. You can't bring attention do everything. But there's certain things that just hit you in a certain way in a certain day. I had no intention. It's been a busy, busy week. And it's only Wednesday. So my entire schedule has been off doing extra hours here with uh, Levitard in Miami. So by the time I get to my movie of the day, it's a strange part of the day. I'm still got to start working on the show, recording extra shows because I'm going to be away at the end of the of July visiting my son who is working out of the country this summer. So I watched this at a time when I was tired and I was a little grumpy. The name of the movie is called Take Care of Maya. Take Care of Maya is a documentary about a family. It dropped on Netflix And I just turned on Netflix looking for, what am I gonna watch today? And there it was, didn't know what it meant. Take care of Maya, didn't know who Maya was, didn't know what it meant to take care of her. The story is about Maya Kowalski, a little girl who was sick and they could not find a diagnosis for her. They finally found a doctor to diagnose her. And it was a disease that is very difficult to treat very controversial in how you treat it. But the bottom line is these parents had a daughter who was fine, dandy and healthy and all of a sudden wheelchair bound, couldn't walk and was in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like her skin was on fire. They finally found a doctor to help. It helped for a bit. They had to go to Mexico for a procedure. They ended up still having to take her into a US hospital And that's when the real nightmare began. Take Care of Maya is about the story of what parents need to do once their child is in a hospital, how to advocate for that child in the face of being accused of child abuse and child neglect. I will not spoil the story of Take Care of Maya because I really would like you to watch it. What I will tell you is my frustration, my sadness, Child abuse is ranked for me as the number one or number two crimes that infuriate me to the point of night sweats, rape, child abuse. Those are my top two people can quibble and argue, is it murder, senseless murder, violating a woman or violating a child. I absolutely understand it is the government's role to interject when there are children being abused. It is also the government's role to make sure they're getting it right. When I was at Cardozo School of Law getting my law degree, there was a professor there named Barry Sheck. Barry Sheck, one of OJ's lawyers. You may know the name from that. I got to work with Barry for many years. I've known him for decades now. He started something called the Innocence Project, where he uses DNA, which had never been allowed before, to show people are innocent, and they're in jail for decades, and then they get let out because it was for crimes they did not commit. When you put people in prison for crimes they do not commit, that is the single greatest. And I'll and I'll I'm happy to debate the issue with anybody. You know, if you're watching Levitard, I'm happy to debate anybody. It doesn't have to be me solo. I don't do this show solo because I'm not interested in people telling me I'm wrong or I'm not interested in wanting to be right. I do it because this is the show Coco and I came up with. But I love speaking to other people. So please come at me. What is worse than when your government accuses you, convicts you, and it's based not on facts, it's based on fraud. It's based on people with agendas, it's based on prejudice, race, class, power, money. I am all for using power and leverage when it comes to business one of the misunderstandings i'm afraid that some of you may have but none of you listening to the show maybe maybe if you're new to the show today from any everything that may have happened this week and every day we get new people so thank you business is business that's the whole purpose of the show when you're dealing with people's freedom that's not business when you're dealing with children who are either being abused or not, that's not business. Making money, finding leverage in a negotiation, figuring out ways to do deals, taking advantage of situations that, because you see the playing field that other people don't see, that's just business. When you watch this documentary, what's going to happen is what happened to me and it's happening now and I can't let it happen because my day's just starting. The, I was crushed for hours after this and I started doing, I went to the rabbit hole of reading articles and understanding what is going on with this situation, not just the my situation, but the reality of this going on around the country. And I was completely blind and ignorant to it. And then I went into a deeper rabbit hole about all the other things, trying to figure out like this mad scientist. Now it's the middle of the night when I know I've got a ton of other things I have to do and I've got shows, hours and hours of shows and I'm not sleeping because I'm researching all the other ways that people are getting screwed wrongfully with no chance to ever recover. And I don't mean out of money. I mean, out of time. Out of life. It's called Take Care of Maya. Please do me the honor. And you don't owe me anything. I owe you all everything. And I don't forget that. But if you ever wanna take a recommendation, I don't know if I overuse that because there's certain shows I reviewed The Bear this week that I asked you to watch too because episode six is a life changer. Give me an hour and 40 minutes of your time and watch Take Care of Maya. Thank you. Nothing personal pick of the day. Before the break, I told you how happy it was that I had the angels For those of you paying attention, if you're new to the show, you're thinking, wow, he's 1-0, he had the Angels. For those of you who were with me yesterday, you're saying Angels? He had the Red Sox over the Marlins. You dumb bastard. Yeah. Sandy's been terrible, Alcantara. He went seven strong, and the Red Sox got embarrassed in Boston. I loved beating the Red Sox at Fenway. I loved it. There was a series in... uh, It was right when, right a week after my son was born, the son who I'm going to visit at the end of July. And it was a lot like the College World Series. One game we lost like 19 to four. And then the next game we won eight to five or something, which just shows how baseball can be funny that way. And last night, the Red Sox crushed, got crushed by the Marlins 10 to one. Today, the Red Sox could win, but it feels really good when you win at Fenway, I must say. It's, it's my third favorite place to win. Number one will always be Yankee Stadium. Number two will always be Shea Stadium, now City Field. And number three is Fenway with Wrigley number four. Those are fun places to win when you are on the road. We're and And 98, after 198 picks, 198. All right, here's the pick today. You know that uh, when you have team meetings, we've talked about how fun team meetings can be, and you purposely hold the team meeting when you know you're playing a crappy team or you're playing a decent team with a crappy pitcher. You never have a team meeting before you're facing Otani, before you're facing Zach Gallen. It's insane to do that. Because after a team meeting, you want to win the next game. Billy Epler had the media availability yesterday, press conference, whatever you want to call it, from the, earlier in the show. Steve Cohen had his announcement about his press conference, and the Mets responded. They beat the Brewers 7-2. to They play the Brewers again tonight, and I'm taking a bit of a chance. But that's what gambling is. Senga's minus 150 over Miley and the Brewers. Brewers are in a battle with the Cincinnati Reds here in the beginning of the middle of the season. In the middle of the middle of the season. (laughs) I guess we really are the middle of the middle, of course. 81 games would count as the dead middle, would it not? What is the record of the Mets, Coca? Do you have that off the top of your head? The number of games they've played? It's got to be in the high 70s at this point. We're getting very close to the true middle of the middle. So my prediction is that Steve Cohn is going to meet the media. 36 and 43 is 79. By the way, that's pretty close. After, I don't know if they're playing Thursday, but they have two more games and they will be absolutely in the middle of the middle. And then we start getting to late middle. So Steve Cohn is going to do his press conference and believe me, it will be on in the clubhouse. We always make sure of that. Players are going to see it, and they're going to be motivated. They're going to say, we've got our leader. We're going to win it for the Gipper. Senga over Miley. Maybe then, if the Brewers lose two in a row to the Mets, Mark Antonazio will do a press conference the next day. You better hope not. That's the pick. It is very, very frustrating, to say the least, when you've got a player who is really good one year and then it comes back and it's not as good. Extremely upsetting because what you do before the season is you project him to not just repeat what he did, but to be better. Now there's certain instances where you can't do that. If the Yankees project the judge to go 62, shame on them. The only thing they could project of judge is hope to hopefully he doesn't get hurt and he gets back to hitting 40 home runs hasn't quite worked out that way. Sign him to the long-term deal. Things happen. Alec Manoa is a guy for the Blue Jays who've been underperforming this year as a team, and he is a pitcher. It's a guy who was in the Cy Young race last year. Are the are all the finalists? This is a total side note that I didn't prepare you for, Coke and I'm sorry. The three finalists for the Cy Young Award last year, there were six of them, six, three in the AL, three in the NL. I believe that the winner, Sandy Alcantara and Alec Manoa was one of the three finalists. So that's at least two out of six are really having bad years this year. I wonder how many of the six have had a hard time repeating and how many of the six have gotten better. So Alec Manoa is the guy we did the topic on, I don't know, must have been two weeks ago when he was optioned all the way down to the Florida State League because they wanted him at the minor league complex in Dunedin. Instead of optioning a player who's not performing to double A or to triple A, which is what you normally do, they sent him all the way down to get looked at, work on stuff. Well, guess what? He finally started a game and it was rookie ball. Rookie ball. This is not major leagues, rookie ball. This is not even G League to the NBA. I'm trying to think what it actually is But rookie ball to MLB is blank to the NFL. I got it. It's the Sunday night church league flag football team. No disrespect to people in rookie ball. That's the difference in competition. Alec Manoa goes down there. They let him pitch two and two-thirds innings. He gave up 11 earned runs and 10 hits to kids who are teenagers in rookie ball. Of course, the media asked the manager of the Blue Jays, what in the name of Sam Francis is going on here? How could Alec Manoa been lit up like a Christmas tree? He said, I saw the line score, but I heard the things we were talking about in terms of strike throwing, delivery, tempo, velocity. It was all positive. The rest of the stuff you take with a grain of salt. That's John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, talking about who was supposed to be his ace, talking about him getting lit up in rookie ball. And then he said it's the same thing as when we send our all-stars down when they're rehabbing and they go 0 for 4 with four punches. Who cares? We're looking to see how they feel the next day, how their approach is. Those guys are rehabbing. Alec is not hurt. He just stinks. If you're trying to get your player to work on something, here's a word of advice. You don't leave him out there to get embarrassed by giving up 11 runs in two and two-thirds innings. If you see that he's having a bad inning, pull him, work on it on the side without the cameras, then you can be proactive and say, our plan was to get one inning of work and he did exactly what we wanted him to do, he'll be out again in five days. You have to make it seem like you're protecting your player. You have to. Instead, they hung him out to dry. And a little quote from John Schneider after the fact, saying, hey, everything was perfect. They were sending a message. There's something else going on there. Because the only reason you leave him out to give up 11 runs in two and two thirds innings is if you're pissed off. I wonder whether they call them after the game. John called him and said, Hey, Alec, it's John. It's just business. Good luck next time. This is nothing personal.